Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. It's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Well, hey, grab a Bible if you got one handy today. You can open up or power up and meet me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be this week. We're starting a brand new series this morning. We do just about every year right after Easter called Ask Me Anything, where we crowdsource a sermon series. We ask you a really simple question on Easter, and you fill in the blank. I need to hear a message from the Bible about... And then we take the top few responses and build a series around them. So that's where we're at today. Let me just tell you, uh, we're in such a unique season in our world. I was really excited to get those answers from you. 
As a pastor that's having to pastor us remotely these days, it's harder than ever to really get a glimpse of where our hearts are and how to pastor us during this. So I was excited about the survey. Here's what's funny about your responses. The title of the series is Ask Me Anything. But I sort of feel like you thought maybe the series was titled Ask Me Everything. <laughs> like we're all over the map. Everything from I need to hear a message from the Bible about Leviticus to I need to hear a message from the Bible about how not to fight with my sister to how does your hair look so great when all the barbershops are closed? Probably from my wife. For years, I've been telling people that male pattern baldness is a gift from God. Now I have data points. All right, so we are all over the map right now, which in some ways should not have been a surprise because we are all over the map right now. But I think when we zoom out a little bit on all of the questions and responses, there are some patterns that emerge. So we're going to chase those over the next three weeks, and I'm really excited about it. Today won't be a surprise to you. Uh, today we're talking about worry. And I really don't feel like I got to set that up a ton this morning. The vast majority of us don't have to work very hard to fill in the blank. This morning, I'm worried about blank. So in fact, just go ahead and get what sits in that blank in your mind. What is it for you? Some of us are like, <laughs> that's funny. It is singular. And I don't have an it I'm worried about. I got a list I'm worried about. Great. So what's on the list? Is it health? A lot of us are worried about us or people that we love getting sick. Some of us aren't worried about that at all. We're worried that so many people are worried about people getting sick, it's going to crash our economy. And we're worried about that. We're worried about keeping a job or finding a job. We're worried about if we've got enough money to live off of anymore. Or we're fine, but we're worried about our kids, adult kids that are struggling. Or younger kids, we're worried about their future. We're worried that they're never going to go back to school. Again, we're all over the map. Most of us didn't have to work very hard to come up with something or a list of things to go in that blank. So what are you worried about? All right, with that in mind, look at what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. The thing on your list, the thing on your mind, the thing in the blank, what does Jesus say about it? Okay, say it with me. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Okay? Don't worry about it. Let's pray. <laughs> no, wait. Jesus, it doesn't work that way. Like not a single one of us woke up this morning and thought, what am I going to do today? You know what I really want to do is worry about something. What can I find to worry about? Ah, oh, but wait, I forgot I got to mow the grass today. So here's what I'll do. Uh, I'll do the grass today and do the worry tomorrow. Worry doesn't feel like the kind of thing you decide to do or don't do. It's the kind of thing that happens to you. You just feel it. In fact, Jesus, you saying this doesn't help. It makes me feel it more. So I'm worried, Jesus. And you say, don't worry, but I can't don't worry. So now I'm worried about the thing that I was worried about. And I'm also worried about the fact that I'm worrying when Jesus said, don't worry. That worries me. So Jesus, either you don't understand worry or you understand worry better than me. How do I not worry? Jesus says, I'm glad you asked. Hear me out. Look what he says. Matthew chapter 6 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Jesus picks some things in their culture that would have been the first things in their blanks. In a hand-to-mouth culture with no refrigerator and no H-E-B, Jesus says to his audience, hey, every morning you're waking up saying, where are we going to find food today? How hard is it going to be to find water today? With no Amazon, no malls, no Costco, no washing machines, clothes were expensive and they wore out fast. What are we going to wear today? Jesus says to his audience, I don't want you to worry about that. To us, he'd say, I don't want you to worry about your health. I don't want you to worry about your job. I don't want you to worry about the economy or your kids or the election. I don't want you to worry about your life. Jesus, are are you saying that food isn't important? That job or finances or the future, none of that matters? Jesus is going to go on to say, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'm saying the opposite of that. I'm saying it's so important, it's too important for you to be the one you trust to be in control of it. To say it another way, God wants better for you than a life that depends on you. That's his point. Now, he's going to develop it. So keep reading. Don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Then he asks a really important question. Look at the last part of verse 25. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? See what he says? He says, zoom out. Isn't your life bigger than the thing you're worried about? Isn't life more than food and clothes and viruses and jobs and whatever's in your worry blank this morning? And think about it another way. If somehow you could know with 100% certainty that the thing you wrote down would never happen, you would never miss a meal, never lose your job, never get the virus, you would never run out of money. Somehow God sent you an email this morning and said, I promise that thing in your worry blank will never happen to you. Would you live worry-free for the rest of your life? Of course not. In fact, that's happened to some of us in the past. We had things that used to be in our future. We were paralyzed with worry about and they turned out fine. It's not in our blank today. But something else is. Why? Because there's more to life than the thing you're worried about today. Jesus says, hang on to that idea because the thing about worry It's like the monster that lives under the bed. We feed it and feed it and feed it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more we think about it until it consumes everything and swallows up our whole life. Kids, let me show you something I showed your parents a few months ago. And the truth is we could all use the reminder. Okay, do this with me. I want everyone to hold up your little finger. Just hold it up right in front of you. All right, everybody got it? Okay, now I want you to close your left eye. Everybody, left eye closed. Now, I want you to maneuver your pinky finger around until you can't see me in front of you. All right, can you do it? You can. Do you know why you can do it? Because a small thing held near can block out big things, even if they're not that far away. Jesus is saying, you know what worry does? It takes a future problem or even just the possibility of a future problem. And it holds it so close to the eye of your heart that you lose perspective on everything else in your life. And here's why that's such a big deal. 
If you don't have perspective on life, but you're making decisions about your life and your future in light of the only thing that you can see from here, not only are you missing life, you run the risk of complicating life and adding worries to your future life. You see that? No, I don't see that. My finger's in front of my eye. I can't see anything. Okay, what's the solution? Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. (laughs) And we're like, Jesus. CNN is on 24 hours a day. There is always breaking news about our current situation. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to hang on to my job. I'm not sure I'm going to get to graduate. My kids are home 24 hours a day, and I'm afraid they will be, and we won't get to leave the house again until they're 72 years old. Who has time to look at the birds? Jesus says, just stay with me. Using an illustration. Verse 26 again, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now pay attention. He's not saying there's anything with sowing and reaping and saving and being prepared that's wrong. Not saying that at all. He's saying, look at the birds. They don't have any of the advantages that you do. They can't plan for tomorrow and prepare for the future. And yet your heavenly father provides for them. But here's what happens for us somewhere along the way. Our ability to plan for tomorrow and prepare for tomorrow leads us to believe somehow that we're in control of tomorrow. Jesus says, you're not. And here's the thing. You never were. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Hey, think about this. A few months ago, news started going around about a virus. That was the moment a bunch of us started to worry about it, wasn't it? Your boss calls you into their office on a Friday at 4 p.m., and right then, at that moment, you start to worry. Your kids are fighting when you explicitly sent them outside for extra recess and you can't figure out why they're not grateful or where to send them for detention or how to get fired from this teaching job that you didn't sign up for. And that's the moment we worry that our world is spinning out of control. But it's not, is it? Those situations, those scenarios only reveal that our world has never been under our control. Your world was out of control long before coronavirus hit or the economy tanked or you became a homeschool family. If it had been under your control, it never would have gotten to this point. That's the first big realization Jesus wants us to have here. You are not in control. But you know what the second realization is? Do you see it there? The one who is in control cares. You're not in control. And you never have been. But good news, the one who's in control cares. And if you look, Jesus says the reminders of that are everywhere. Watch God take care of the billions of birds in the world each day, every day. He goes on to say, God's the one who makes the flowers bloom and grow with a splendor that would make the closet of Solomon look like a thrift store dumpster. 
And those are birds and flowers. How do you think your heavenly father feels about you, his child? Now, I know some of you have fathers that make this imagery harder, but Jesus is using the word father in the way it was intended to look, not the way your dad screwed it up. Jesus says, your father is the king of heaven. Your dad sits on the throne of the universe. He's in complete control. And that's a good thing because he cares for you. What does that mean? It means what you have right now, where you are right now is exactly where a God who cares for you wants you to be and what he wants you to have. Well, great, my life stinks. Yeah, it does today. But hang on, kids, do you remember when you were a toddler, how your parents used to constantly ruin your life? Remember that? They wouldn't let you play in traffic. They wouldn't let you stick things in electrical sockets. They wouldn't let you eat the dog poop in the backyard. But you had to eat things in front of you that you didn't want, like steak and hamburgers, like everything you could see that you wanted for yourself. They wouldn't let you have for yourself. And they gave you exactly what you didn't want. And it created anxiety in you. Remember that? And then you got a little older and you realized all that time they weren't ruining your life after all. They were saving your life and enriching your life every single day day. In fact, some of the things you were desperate for then are embarrassing to you today because you know they were not the best thing for you then. And in fact, having it, keeping it, eating it, doing it was something that would destroy you and you couldn't see it. Who could? Someone with a better perspective on your life than even you. Someone who could see the future and cared enough for you to give you the best for you even when you couldn't see it and didn't want it. Jesus says, bingo. Your heavenly father cares for you and knows what you need. So what do I do with my worry? Skip down. Because the answer isn't just stop it. It's not just quit it. Turns out worry is like the check engine light on your car. When you see it, the answer is not to ignore it. When the light comes on, wise people investigate it. Same thing with worry. Worry is an invitation to an investigation. Look back at Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. When he says pagans, he's not trying to be insulting. It's just a word that means people who don't know your God who's in control, cares for you and knows what you need. Here's what Jesus is saying and it's right at the heart of his point. I'll just prepare you for it. It's uncomfortable, okay? So don't email me. I'm just telling you what Jesus says. Your worry will always reflect your worship. Your worry, my worry, will always reflect our worship. See, we try to deal with our worry primarily at the level of emotion. 
That's why we can't make it away, go away or turn it off. Jesus says, worry is not primarily an emotion. Worry is primarily an indicator of our devotion. Think about it. Our worry always reveals who we're trusting, where we're focused, and what we value the most. That's worship. And Jesus says when it comes to life of people who are connected to a heavenly father, their response to an uncertain world ought to be fundamentally different from people around them who don't know a loving heavenly father. A world who believes their tomorrow is entirely on their shoulders. That the only value they'll ever have is whatever they can make of themselves. Jesus says you can afford to look different than that. So what do I do with my worry? I investigate it. I figure out where it's coming from and then I redirect it. Look what Jesus says, verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The solution to worry isn't ignoring it. Or fixing it. It's not what Jesus says. The solution to worry is redirecting it. Instead of worrying, he says, but, that's the contrast. Seek first, literally run after his kingdom. Jesus is saying, worry is an indication. We've had our worship upside down. Worry is the regular declaration of a heart that says, "Ah, maybe I'll seek God's kingdom after I get my kingdom under control. I'll seek his perspective on righteousness, what is right and wrong, what's good and bad for me, once I make sure his definition lines up with my definition. I'll seek him as long as he follows me. Jesus says, that's no way to live. It's a good way to worry. And God wants better for you than a life that depends on you. And he's planning to give it to his children, whether you worry about it or not. So what are you worried about? Can I give you just a few real practical ideas for what to do when you worry this week? Three things. First thing is this. Focus your faith first every day. We know when Jesus says seek first his kingdom, he's not talking primarily about chronology. But one of the things I've learned in my battle with worry is if I can start with the right focus, I can keep it in focus for longer. If I start with the wrong focus, checking my email, looking at the news, checking my stocks, things that make me worry, if I start with the wrong focus, it's harder to ever get back to the right focus. So focus your faith first every day. It doesn't have to be complicated. Do whatever works. Grab a Bible. Sign up for devotionals through the, through the website for the Psalms. Or just commit to praying in the shower in the morning. God, I believe you know what I would worry about today. But instead, I'm choosing to believe that you're in control. I know that you care for me and I want to operate out of that from here on today. Amen. Try it. Focus your faith first every day this week. Second big thing is this. When your devotion indication comes on, pull over. Pull over. What am I saying? When you start to worry throughout the day, you know what it is? It's the check engine light, devotion, indication. So don't just keep driving and hope that it'll go away. Investigate it. Where's this coming from? Where am I focused? Who am I loving? Who am I trusting? Is my tomorrow in the right person's hands right now? When you feel yourself starting to worry, pull over, push pause, take a deep breath, make the adjustment, and get back on the road. 
And the third thing is this, redirect tomorrow's worries towards today's opportunities. Now, this is so important. This is how seeking first gets lived out. Here's what it does. When tomorrow's worries come up, this is the life that says tomorrow's going to worry about itself. God's doing something today and I don't want to miss it. He'll take care of tomorrow. There's a story about Queen Elizabeth, not the current Queen Elizabeth, the first Queen Elizabeth. She once told a man that she wanted him to go on a voyage to the new world because she needed his skills on the trip to make it a success. And the man told her, I'd love to, but I can't. I'm a small businessman and my business has been struggling. If I go on your mission today, my business won't make it tomorrow. Here's what she said to him. She said, dear friend, you mind my business and I'll mind your business. That's the promise of Jesus. You seek first my kingdom. I can worry about yours. You seek first my kingdom. I've got it under control. You're taken care of. I'm doing something in the world and I don't want you to miss it today. Your heavenly father will meet you tomorrow. He's working tomorrow. Don't borrow from tomorrow and let it cost you what he's doing today. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, for some of us, it's the very first time you've ever recognized your need to trust your life to somebody other than you. And here's some great news for you. Jesus is way ahead of you. 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth and did life perfectly. Chose to receive the worst the world could throw at a person and the worst that God could do to a person. He died on a cross, abandoned by God for us. Then he rose from the dead to declare, if you trust me, you have nothing in life or death to worry about. And if you've never come to a moment where you trusted Jesus to forgive your sins and give you eternal life, you can do that right where you sit this morning. Simply tell him right now in your own words, Jesus, I'm trusting that you took what I deserve, what I ought to fear the most, and you conquered it for me when you died and rose again. And I'm trusting you this morning with me. Lord, thank you that you want to take care of our tomorrows and give us life today. Thank you that you care about us and you have life under control. Lord, would you let us be people who trust that you're a God who's trustworthy with today and tomorrow and all of tomorrow's tomorrows. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.